This week, in the parish of bourses and market structure, ICE closed the Ellie Mae purchase and Toma Bravo are selling ICE stock from that Ellie Mae deal in a follow-on offering. Meanwhile, Aquas Exchange edges into profit as expected. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast. In this, ladies and gentlemen, era where the water cooler has had many, many fewer users over the course of lockdown times, even if you're returning to the office, news flow, information flow is key. Just let me add, this podcast is a very brief reduction of the key headlines from the week in market structure. All of the analysis of the week's many events and happenings can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. Controversy from the SEC. Well, common bedfellows, those words, I suppose. Shrouding money managers in secrecy, the SEC is proposing an amendment to the Form 13F that would eliminate most investment managers' quarterly filings. I can see the mangled logic of the SEC's inflation shuffle here, but surely in an age of spreadsheets and all that digital desktop malarkey, it's easier than ever to disclose what your holdings are. A curiously analogue move by the SEC, which seems to be clamping down on issuers to provide ever more detailed data on the other side of the coin. Elsewhere, BMLL, sponsors of Exchange Invest, they won the best data service application using cloud technology at the 2020 HFM European Technology Awards. Wearing presumably a virtual bow tie and tuxedo, Paul Humphreys was there, well, virtually, to collect the award on behalf of the BMLL team. Elsewhere, Robin Hood, they're facing multiple SEC investigations as we first trailed last week into their business practices. Those investigations are from the SEC and indeed also the regulatory body FINRA. As I have repeatedly noted for years, this was highly likely. The weird thing is, what took these regulators so long to get their acts together? Fair enough. It must be a baptism of fire for their new general counsel, the former SEC commissioner, my old friend Dan Gallagher. At the same time also, many have pointed out the fact that, well, a $10 million fine is surely only a drop in the ocean to Robin Hood. But, I would argue, if it opens the floodgates to greater and greater litigation, what can the class action mavens actually do to Robin Hood, given, for many years, it's claimed to be free when it's actually been selling your order flow? Elsewhere, FQR, that's first question, Rich Repetto of Sandler O'Neill has reduced ratings for the CME. That's a very bad sign. Will CME punish him by stopping him from running first on the road at the next earnings call when it's open to questions? Frankly, it could be the highlight of the earnings call if it's as syrupy as the last one. Bit of ratings news, B3, Brazil, Bolsa, Balsao. Moody's have announced a completion of a periodic review of their ratings. No change there, just as there was last week with ICE indeed. Equally, LiquidNet Holdings, Moody's announced their completion of a periodic review of ratings there. There's no action on ratings, and that reminds us that there appears to be, well, inaction on the bids for the LiquidNet business. Having issued debt to get rid of its PE shareholders some years back, the business was on the block at an auctioneer's estimate of circa a billion dollars, which was a lot lower than LiquidNet at its peak. 
I must admit to not being surprised the bidding has been so lukewarm. Liquidnet may be just a market leader, if you squint and add the more emollient KPIs, but the truth is the business failed to heed warnings of what it needed to pay attention to. Bids bats or SIBO, whatever it's called, large and scale? Whatever that thing is, anyway, the up-and-coming and indeed rapidly arriving on the rails, fast-moving block trading venue in Europe using the US bids technology. That was a hammer blow to Liquidnet when they simply refused to believe that this could ever happen to their European cash cow. Margins are in decline across the board and the block business is now pretty mature. There's more, but while it justifies the ratings position, it is unsurprising that Liquidnet bidding has not been more brisk when the company tried to sell itself in recent months. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. In results news this week, the Ho Chi Minh Stock Exchange in Vietnam, they increased their profits by 19% year on year in the first six months to... 238 billion local dollars, which is 10.3 million US dollars. Aquas Exchange, they've nudged into profit as they were anticipating for the six months ended 30th of June 2020. Bravo to Alistair Haynes and the team. Revenue increased 42% to 4.9 million pounds compared to 3.4 million in the first half of 2019. EBITDA therefore reaches 0.54 million versus a first half of 2019, 0.18 million loss. With integration synergies ahead of plan for the next exchange, which was originally, amongst other things, plus markets, that purchase is starting to look very encouraging, and these are great results for Aquas and its future. In deals news this week, Intercontinental Exchange, they've completed the acquisition of Ellie May from Toma Bravo, and indeed with that $11 billion Ellie May deal finalised, ICE can prepare to unleash a fully digital mortgage ecosystem, while, meanwhile, a secondary issue has been announced through the Intercontinental Exchange itself by the selling stockholder, Toma Bravo. Given that ICE stock promptly closed up 2.42% on the news, a bigger gain than any other major bourse group during the course of Wednesday's trading, that brushes off the worry about the overhang of the Toma Bravo stake, and presumably Toma Bravo can manage to seek the cash to distribute or reinvest at at least the book value of the stock, or possibly even a marginal premium. The Minneapolis Grain Exchange, their membership, has approved the demutualization of the exchange ahead of the merger with Miami International Holdings. Elsewhere, the Financial Times was noting the test of Rome's appetite for intervention in the Italian Stock Exchange issue, where, of course, the London Stock Exchange is seeking to divest a profitable asset in its rather crazed quest to acquire Refinitiv. Elsewhere, the Swiss Exchange 6, they have exercised the squeeze-out right for the remaining BME shares and are going to therefore be delisting the company, which I still think may be a strategic error in the future. Good news for the LSE, in part at least, the European Union, they've come back from their holidays and presumably having left the bucket and spade in the wardrobe cupboard, they're now looking once again at the refinitive deal probe, a decision expected by December the 16th. In new markets, Egypt will launch a commodity exchange for wheat, vegetable oils, rice and sugar in the early part of 2021. 
elsewhere the long-term stock exchange, a marketplace in the United States of America driven by an afterword in the Lean Startup book years back. Eric Reese's brainchild for a long-term holding stock exchange has now launched. That's of course in the midst of a very exciting September. The members exchange Memex will begin its phased launch on September the 21st and the Miami exchange-owned Pearl Equities will open on September the 25th. While you're waiting for those stock exchanges to open, or if you're looking for some reading during what may be a continuing challenge of lockdown, remember, COVID-19 is a killer. How do you possibly fight back in this digital age? Well, try understanding the dynamics of fintech through my new book, Victory or Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency and the Fintech World, an easy read explaining the differing and diverging roles of banks and exchanges and how the winning business models of the new world order will place digital markets in context and therefore provide us with perspective on just what Bitcoin, blockchain and cryptocurrency mean for markets. Following up on my original trailblazing first bestseller of the fintech genre, Capital Market Revolution, in 1999, remember, ladies and gentlemen, it's a binary world. Your career will sustain or collapse in the next stage of digital markets, hence the title, Victory or Death, lest you need reminding of the exciting times for finance in which we are living. Victory or Death is published by DV Books and distributed by Ingram Worldwide. Meanwhile, while you're waiting for that to arrive, next Tuesday, the 15th of September, from Brussels without love is the headline. We've got the first of our second series of IPO video live streams with former MEP and long-standing capital market specialist Jake Pugh. Don't miss it. That's coming Tuesday, 15th of September, 1800 London time, 1300 New York time, on a live stream near you, namely Facebook, LinkedIn and YouTube. Meanwhile, in Cryptoland this week, Binance have continued their ready-running stream of memberships this month. I, I mean the memberships of different industry bodies. Despite being an apparently itinerant, or at least an entity with an undisclosed HQ, the crypto exchange Binance has now joined a third industry lobby group in no less than three weeks. It's now joined Blockchain for Europe, which is a first in two ways. I haven't actually even heard of it before, let alone before Binance joined. In product news this week, the decks have been cleared. The nifty 50 Singapore trades are ready to move to Gift City in Gujarat. That ends a long-standing disagreement, which was provoked by crazed Indian regulatory protectionism. The special purpose vehicle, therefore, is a new exchange in Gift City, the Gujarati International Financial Centre, overseen by Prime Minister Modi, who is himself from Gujarat. What a coincidence there. In that financial centre, we're going to see this SPV between Singapore Exchange, SGX, and the National Stock Exchange of India, the owner of the Nifty 50 brand itself. They're going to be trading futures and options, which will be open to the world, rather similar to the existing SGX product, which has been pushed into this new arrangement through that rather embarrassing spate of Indian protectionism. Bill Marks to SGX, they stood their ground and ended up at least with a shareholding in this new venture. Elsewhere, Singapore Exchange are aiming to become Asia's benchmark for Bitcoin pricing, while in the Middle East, the Saudis, fresh from the successful launch of their Tadawal exchange derivatives market and clearinghouse Mukasa, the Saudi regulator, they've announced they're going to open debt instruments in the kingdom to foreign investors. Technology news this week. 
There have been some fleeting attacks once again on the New Zealand Stock Exchange website. Those are cyber attacks, which have been an ongoing theme of the last few weeks. However, trade has continued. Elsewhere, IHS Market and the Tokyo Stock Exchange are going to combine their data sets, creating a unique Japanese security finance pool of data. In People News this week, the Hong Kong exchanges, they've appointed a new group chief risk officer. John Killian is retiring and Credit Suisse veteran Richard Wise will be moving from his Asia-Pacific berth in Singapore over to Hong Kong to take up the post in November. Elsewhere, RIP Lady Judge, who, as Barbara Singer-Thomas, was named an SEC commissioner by President Carter in 1980. And more recently, Lady Judge had been serving on boards such as Liquidnet and most recently the Astana Financial Services Commission until just before her death from pancreatic cancer. In end papers this week, well, a tale of two fintechs. In Poland, Allegro, their private equity owners, are trying to list the Polish equivalent of eBay. However, the efforts that they're pressing ahead with may yet hit a buffer because the Polish regulators are investigating the auction site Allegro over the fees that they're charging to users. That potential bump in the carpet contrasts with efforts in China to make sure that Ant Financial can reach the star market as soon as possible everything being thrown but the kitchen sink, possibly including the kitchen sink, in an effort to make sure that the Ant Financial IPO can go ahead in the next few weeks. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young. Thank you very much for joining this, the 62nd Exchange Invest weekly podcast. I'll be back daily in the Exchange Invest newsletter. Ping us an email via exchangeinvest.com. We'll be happy to add you for a free trial so you can understand all the Bourse business news that's fit to pith as it happens every day. Thanks for listening. Have a great week in markets. My name is Patrick L. Young. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our program, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.